Well, um, we are continuing in Joseph, uh, or excuse me, the book is Genesis. We're continuing in Genesis, but we're focusing on just one of the characters of Genesis, and that is a man by the name of Joseph. If you're, you're going to follow along in your Bible, uh, it's going to be in Genesis chapter 40, and so that's the 40th chapter of the first book of the Bible. I'll give you a chance to, to flip to it. Uh, has anybody ever watched, this is a bit dated, so uh, apologies if this is a spoiler alert. Anybody, has anybody ever watched uh, Forrest Gump? Have you ever seen that? Yeah? Okay, yeah. Uh, some of you are like, well, Forrest what? Uh, Forrest Gump is... Uh, uh, it's 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 a classic uh, Tom Hanks movie, of course, where uh, he plays a man that has the most amazing life ever, and yet he is just completely unaware, just not impressed with all of the amazing peaks that that he goes through. I mean, he's the star football player. He's a he's a military veteran who saves Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan. He saves Lieutenant Dan. Uh, he he has a he has a a, a a thing about chocolates and his mama and. Just just like his whole world, his whole life is all these amazing stories. And yet, if you ask him about it, he's just really unimpressed with all of the parts. Of, of course, this is a fictional guy. And there's this one scene where he's invited to the White House. And he's already been to the White House. He's already met the president a bunch of times. And he's telling the lady on the bench or whoever he's talking to on the park bench, he's like, and then I went to the White House again. He's just so bored with it. You know, it's just, it's, it, it, he is unimpressed because uh, whatever reason, who knows why Forrest Gump is unimpressed with these things. Um, what we've seen with Joseph is this man who, now a man, he was a boy when we met him. He goes through all of these ups and downs and ups and downs. And at some point he's, he's the favorite of the family and then in the pit. And then he's the favorite in Potiphar's house and then in prison. And then he's the favorite in prison. And then this, and, and it, like, we're going to, we just keep seeing him up and down and up and down. And if you go up and down enough, you become less and less impressed with the ups and less and less concerned about the downs. And what we've seen with Joseph, his entire arc, and we'll see really how it comes to be today, is that all of these ups and downs have had the effect of insulating him from those emotional roller coasters of when you get good news or when you get bad news. Because Joseph has learned just from the pattern of his life as, as tumultuous, oh, what a great word popped in my head, as turbulent, that was the word I was looking for, as his life has been all the way through, he's learned that God is with him in the pit and God is with him when he is king of the palace. Um, these two things don't matter as much as God being with him. And the invitation to you as we look at Joseph, what we're hoping to gather from this is, um, one, uh, we want to have just some Bible literacy. As a church, um, we, we are a New Testament church, meaning that we preach Jesus and we talk a lot about Jesus. And so people who uh, go to, to Christian churches tend to know a lot about the New Testament, not a lot about the Old Testament. So one of my goals this summer is just like, let's learn about some Old Testament characters and how this story continues. Um, another goal that we have as a church is that we're looking at Joseph is that Joseph is part of the promised family of God, that he's going to bring together our hope. Our Jesus comes through Joseph's family. Uh, here's a spoiler alert. It doesn't come through the line of Joseph, though. It comes through one of his knuckleheaded brothers, but the promise is secured in Joseph. And what we see in the story of Joseph all the way through so far um, is that God is a God who can make his promises and with 1,000% accuracy, complete the promises that he's made. He's promised, I'm going to save the world. Abraham, I'm choosing your family. Abraham's great. And then he starts making knuckleheaded decisions. And then his children make knuckleheaded decisions and his children's children. And now Joseph's generation is three generations below Abraham. The whole family is full of mess ups. And yet we see that God does use that family to complete his 
promises. And so really the overarching theme of this series is that God from broken beginnings can make beautiful stories. And this is encouragement to all of you. If you are uh, just somebody who's just trying to make life make sense, you're going to church, you're, you're trying to make Jesus a priority, but you look around and your family isn't, or you come from a family that isn't, you feel this, I need, I don't have the momentum that this other guy has. I don't have the momentum that she has the perfect life. I don't have this momentum. Um, God's still good. And he uses people where the momentum's been completely taken from them, like our boy Joseph. So uh, if you've missed the last few weeks, um, or, or just as a way of reminder, Joseph is the favorite in his family, and then his brothers uh, throw him in a pit, try to kill him, change their mind, sell him into slavery. It just goes bad really fast. And then Joseph is rescued from the pit, sold as a slave, poor guy. He went from almost royalty in his own family to a slave in somebody's house, but he's so good and such a man of character as a slave in somebody's house, he's risen to power until someone lies about him. And then the master's wife's like, hey, you're cute. And all these lies happen. Uh, Ends up thrown in prison for things that he didn't do. And he's forgotten in prison. Uh, And then we finished last week where he, even in prison, making the best of a terrible situation, honors God. It says over and over again, but the Lord was with Joseph. And it turns out that if everything is taken away from him, as long as he has the Lord, he has enough to make a life out of it. If, If you find in yourself, everything is just ripped away from you. That phone call rips all of your security away. If you still have the Lord, you have enough. And Joseph has been in prison now since last week. Um, and and uh, he is, is trusted with so much authority in prison, but he's still a man who's in prison. He's still a man who's been ripped from his home. So if you would, let's, let's begin in chapter 40, and we will, we will jump around a lot. Uh, just a quick warning. If you think that I talk fast and have ADHD, this is to protect you and your sanity. Um, I'm going to cover several chapters, but I'm going to be skipping some of the bits that get into specifics about some dreams. Um, so that means that I'm going to be bouncing down some verses some way. So I'll announce that when it happens, but uh, that's to help you keep up with me. Chapter 40, verse 1. Let's see what, uh, what happens next to our friend Joseph. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. So you have, you have uh, this other story happening. When, when we last saw Joseph, he was in prison, but he's making the best of it. And then sometime after this, this thing happened that was way outside of Joseph. It has nothing to do with him. And Pharaoh, verse 2, was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. Now we don't know how much time has passed at this moment. It's really his life has been a whole roller coaster of ups and downs. And the last down, all we know is some time has passed. After some time, this other thing far, far away from him happens. Now, just as kind of a way of a Bible study idea, I really would be curious to know what the cupbearer and the baker did together that caused this offense to be thrown in prison. Like this is this is like death sentencey kind of thing. So I'm wondering if like the cake was chocolate or I don't know, like the cup 
cupbearer dropped his favorite cup. Who knows? Who knows how bad it was? But something happened. Uh, I, I like to think that maybe uh, he had like celiac disease and there was gluten in the cake. I don't know. But uh, whatever happened, the cupbearer didn't do his job and the baker didn't do his job. And together they've committed an offense against the Pharaoh and they're thrown in prison. And now the three of them are in prison, Joseph and the cupbearer and uh, the baker. And it, again, it ends with, and this continued for some time in custody. I'm emphasizing this word time because time is a word that we don't really like unless we're having a really great day. Uh, time flies when you're having fun, right? But it grinds to a halt when you're sitting in the hospital room waiting for the next chapter. Time flies when you're, when you're married and that, that, you know, week long honeymoon or whatever. But then whenever it comes time to actually do the budgeting of the, of the marriage or the, the parenting, it's, it slows way, way down and you're ready to like, let's get on. We're, we're a group of people that we don't like time. We don't like how long time takes. We don't like things that take a lot of time. We want good right now. But time is how the Lord moves. Uh, I heard a quote from Bob Goff that, that he says very often that the Lord walks at, or the Lord's pace is a walk. And you and I, especially as Americans, we're sprinting everywhere. Come on, God, we're going to go over here. And we run as fast as we can to the next blessing as fast as we can. And we get there, but God hasn't gotten there yet. So the blessing isn't there yet. And we're like, come on, we're ready. We're ready. We're, are you ready to do this thing over here? You promise we're going to do this. And God's like, yeah, I'm, I'll get there. And he's just slowly walking. And then, you know, Jesus, he was constantly taking naps. And he's like, I'm going to go on a mountain and pray. I'm sure the disciples are like, let's bring down some fire. Let's do some stuff. Jesus is moving at a walk. We need to be... Um, uh, reminded that time is an ingredient in everybody's story. We need to be reminded that time is part of how the Lord works things out. If, if the Lord rushed Joseph to vindication out of the prison and didn't let the time do its thing, he would not have been prepared for the work that was to come down the road. Time is a necessary ingredient in your life as well. I don't know what your struggles are right now. I don't know what you've been praying for. I know what some of you have been praying for because I've been praying with you for those things. And you may be thinking like, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so much time? Because the Lord is probably working something out that takes some time. And he's not required to tell us what he's working out that takes some time. He is wise and he is good. Ecclesiastes, the author of Ecclesiastes, is trying to drop wisdom bombs all over. If you haven't read Ecclesiastes, first, it's a little depressing until you get to the end. But second, it is so, so wise. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, if I can turn to it quickly. It says, he, that is God, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. This wisdom bomb, listen, it is, it, I, this is an entire sermon in that one verse, and I'm not going to do it justice, but there are two things that you need to know about God. Is that first, in you, he's put eternity into your heart. That's why you have a longing for something more. You, you want to know who God is because eternity is in your heart, and yet you don't have, neither do I have the capability to understand and grasp all of eternity. And so that longing in our heart to know how everything is going to work out and to see God fulfill his promises is a God-given gift meant to cause reliance on him, to trust that he's going to see his story with all of its broken pieces to its beautiful conclusion. The second truth I want to bring about that is what he says about time. He has made everything beautiful in its time. See, God doesn't waste anything that is taking a lot of time for you. 
that time it took to, to see your family grow, that time it took in the, in the waiting room, that time it took when you were praying and praying, that time that Joseph was in prison, that time that he waited in the pit to die only to be sold into slavery, all that time seems wasted. And what are you doing, God? I don't understand. That's because you have eternity in your heart, Joseph. And that's because you have eternity in your heart. But he makes everything beautiful in its time. He'll make your sorrows beautiful in time. He'll make your heartbreak beautiful in time. He'll make the best parts of your life beautiful in time. He'll make the hardest parts beautiful in your time. Our God is so big. When we talk about miracles, he can take the broken pieces of your heart, give it some time and the Lord, and he can make beautiful things out of it. Just to borrow uh, from my brother uh, Spikes, he was sharing his testimony on Testimony Tuesday, and he, uh, his testimony in, involves a, a battle with cancer, and he said to a group of men, I wouldn't change it, because time has made this hard story, a broken story, beautiful in its time. The Lord knows what he's doing, and Joseph, our boy Joseph, good night, it's just, he's in prison, and now these two knuckleheads come here, and they did do something wrong. And Joseph is innocent, but they did do something wrong, um, and Joseph is appointed to them. He's so good at what he's doing, he's like, you get, you just take care of them. He's like, okay, I gotta take care of these, these guys. I'm gonna skip to verse 12, Genesis 40, verse 12. And so, um, where I can't find verse 12. What, what's happened uh, is that the, the, the cupbearer and the baker, they're having all these dreams. I don't know, if you, if you ever get in trouble and you have like fever dreams, it's just like, they're, I need to know what these things mean. Uh, the the cupbearer and the baker are having all these dreams and they wake up and Joseph looks at him. He's like, guys, are you okay? Like, I'm having some dreams, man. I, nobody's here to tell me what these dreams mean. Joseph's like, eh, let's give God a try. What, what do you think? I know who God is. Let me Tell me your dreams. And so they told him his dreams and now Joseph explains to them what the dreams are. It says, then Joseph said to him, this is to the, to the cupbearer. This is its interpretation. And uh, the dream was like, there are all these branches and grapes and cups and things. He says, the three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into this pit, into the pit. Um, question for you, uh, is Joseph the kind of guy that in his troubles is like, ah, it's not so bad. Oh, you know, this is good. It's all part of God's plan. Or is Joseph the kind of guy that, you know, this stinks. I don't like this. I don't like this. I'm stolen out of my land. I don't belong here. I didn't do any of these things, but I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to be a man of character. I think he's the second guy. Can we agree on that? Can we agree that Joseph still has some heartbreak? One of the, one of the problems that modern Christianity has, really watered down Christianity has, is you know how you can fix your problems is by pretending they're not problems. Oh, look, I'm in a wonderful prison. I love this prison. I, I love what you've done with the walls. The bars, they're so strong. Wow. And we pretend that God wants us to make believe that our problems and our situation is a lot better than what they are. That's not the example of scripture. That's not the example of Joseph. Joseph's in prison. He's making the best of a bad situation, but he doesn't pretend the bad situation is good. I don't belong here. I was stolen from my family. I'm in prison. I don't, I don't deserve to be here at all. And everybody's in prison like, yeah, we all say we're innocent, but Joseph really is. He really is. This is like straight Shawshank redemption stuff. And he gives the guy the interpretation of his dream. 
And he says, listen, when you get out of here, I know that God's going to get you out of here. When you get out of here, just please don't forget me like everybody else. Please remember me when you're talking to Pharaoh. Get me, get me out of here too. I don't, I don't belong here. And so the baker, he's sitting back with his dream. And he really liked that. Like, hey, that's a pretty good interpretation. I, he, you asked Joseph, you had a dream that gave you a nightmare. You asked Joseph, he gave you good news. And so now the baker is like, he's a little bit more confident. He, it's like, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Joseph about my dream also. I'm going to skip down to verse 18. He gives him this dream. There's like baskets on his head and bread being thrown in the baskets, which by the way, uh, another Bible study tip. If you go look at hieroglyphs in Egypt, there are all these like hieroglyphs of people with baskets of bread on their head. It's like a, it's an Egyptian cultural thing that the author of Genesis, by the way, really knew Egyptian culture really well. It's not just some made up story. It's just a little verification that the Bible is, is accurate. Everybody's looking at me like, yeah, we trust the Bible. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll keep going. Uh, verse, verse 18. And Joseph answered, he's like, uh, you, you sure you want this interpretation? Okay. I'll tell you, this is what your dream means. This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days in three days. Pharaoh will lift up your head, which is what he told the other guy from you. <laughs> like, notice, does it have the hyphen? Yeah, yeah. It has the hyphen in my Bible too. He'll lift up your head <clears throat> off of your body. Like, like, it's not as good of a news. He uses the same words uh, to the guy because he tells the guy, like, you're going to die and he's going to lift your head from your body. He's going to hang you on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh from you. Oh, Joseph is just a bucket of joy, isn't he? Golly, golly. You know, um, Sometimes uh, another thing that we do in watered-down Christianity is that we think that we're only supposed to tell blessings to people. Joseph tends to think that it's more about telling the truth to people. And he told the truth to the first man, and it turns out the truth was a blessing. And he told the truth to the second man, and it turns out the truth was a curse. He's just letting them know, this is what God's going to do. This is how, this is how your story is going to end. You know, some of us, um, I'm thinking of uh, parents with older children, maybe wayward children. I'm thinking of uh, coworkers. I'm thinking of, if you're a supervisor in here and you have people that, that, you're, that report to you, um, a lot of us think that we're honoring Jesus by pulling some punches, pulling back the truth when it's uncomfortable or it, it's true, but it's not, it doesn't feel nice. They're not going to like it. Godly people tell the truth even when they don't like it because the truth is where the power is, not in saying nice things. It's not in spiritual platitudes. This is why I won't say at funerals just really nice things like, well, you know, God got another angel. That's not how angels work. They're not, they were never humans, by the way. It's just, uh, this may be a bomb for everybody, but uh, humans and angels were two different created beings. We're not transferring from one to another. That's, that's not, it makes people feel good at funerals, but it's not the truth of scripture. The truth of scripture is that those whom are in God's hands are protected into eternity. From whoever is in the grip of the Lord is never going to be taken away. We are secure in that, not in nice platitudes. So Joseph, he tells the truth. Uh, he tells the truth to the, to the one guy, and it's a blessing. He tells the truth to the second guy. They're like, uh, they can't sleep for a while. I wonder how they slept for the next few days. It's like, I uh, really don't want to have another one of those dreams. That stunk. Uh, here's, here's where it goes next, verse 20. On the third day, so it took three days. That's time again. Uh, on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, so that's good. I'm sure he had a pinata with like a camel on it or something. Uh, he made a feast for all of his servants. And he lifted up the head of his chief cupbearer and the head of his chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, just like Joseph said, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them 
exactly as Joseph had interpreted them. Yet, verse 23, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Hey, I'm going to interpret your dream. Here's what it's going to mean. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take, but one day uh, Pharaoh's going to lift you up. And you're just going to be restored. And when that happens, please remember me. Three days later, I can see like the SpongeBob clip, three days later. Um, it happens exactly as Joseph said, to the word, yet he was forgotten. You know, people that you show up in their life when they're in the down and out and, and things are terrible and you do everything you can to love them, to bless them, and then be forgotten after doing all the good you can in their life. Joseph knows what that's like too. Turns out uh, there is no fault to be found in Joseph in this story at all. It turns out you can do everything right and you can do nothing wrong and you can still be forgotten by people. That is entirely possible. He blessed that man with peaceful sleep. It's, this isn't your final story. You're going to be restored. It's going to be okay. And he was still forgotten. Listen, Christian, if you've been burned by a couple of friends because you were forgotten, you're in really good company. The Bible is full of people that did the right thing and they were still forgotten. Don't make the mistake of thinking because people forgot you, your God forgot you. That is not how God works. See, God is the God who he is still fulfilling promises he's made thousands of years ago to the letter flawlessly. He has not forgotten you in your troubles. He hasn't forgotten you in your struggles. He hasn't forgotten you in your joys when you forgot him. You know, sometimes we're praying to God real big when we're in the pit. And then when we're in the palace, we're like, yay me, I'm doing awesome. Look how great my life is. And we forget him. He hasn't forgot you then either. Joseph has to wait. And more time goes by. And he believes that everybody has forgotten him. I believe that Joseph knows that his God has not forgotten him. Um, I will explain why I believe that in a moment. Uh, let's go to the next passage. Where was I? I've lost my spot. What was my last verse? 23. Thank you so much. We have people paying attention. Uh, chapter 41, verse 1. My ADHD lost track of where I was. Um, after how many years? After two whole years, oh man, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile and behold, uh, I won't continue his dream. Uh, he, he had one of those fever dreams too. It was crazy. There's like cows eating each other. And then like he wakes up, you ever wake up in the middle of the night and then you go back to sleep and you have another crazy dream. That's what happens to him. He has another dream and then like wheat is eating wheat. After two whole years, this story happens. Joseph had to wait two whole years. This is just one verse away from what I just finished reading. He was forgotten at the end of chapter 40. And after two whole, it's like a child trying to explain to you how long, and it's not after two years. That's what a normal person would say. It literally says in the Hebrew, two whole years. It is an emphasis that that is a long, long time to be forgotten, to be sitting in the prison, twiddling your thumbs, doing the best you can to make good of a bad situation. And yet Joseph waited the two years. Why did he have to wait two more years? He doesn't know this, by the way. In, in his world, why should I have to wait? In your world, why should you have to wait? You've been praying for this victory for a while. Why should you have to wait? You, you don't know what's coming next. Joseph doesn't know what's coming next. But if you were to turn a few chapters, a few pages forward, there's a famine coming. And Joseph is the one uniquely placed to protect 
all of Egypt and his family from the coming trouble. It takes time for all of the things to come together and the plan to come together. In this case, it took another two whole years of just waiting. Genesis 41, skip down to verse 9. After we read about the dream of Pharaoh and he calls everybody, he gets all the wizards of the land. Like, hey guys, tell me about this dream. Like, I don't know what you're, you're crazy, man. I don't know that dream. Okay, and then he gets all the scribes, all the people who know how to write, the most educated professors of the land. I've had this dream. Tell me about it. They're like, oh, pfft, could be anything, Pharaoh. I don't know. So he's looking around. He asks everybody, tell me somebody. Does anybody know anybody who can tell something about dreams? Then, verse 9, the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, um, boss, uh, I remember he's forgotten a bunch of things for the last two whole years, but now, uh, I remember my offenses today. Uh, when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, uh, we dreamed on the same night, he and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving us an interpretation to each man according to his dreams. Like, he didn't just tell us the same thing. It wasn't made up. He said two specific things, and as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office and the baker was saying, hey, Pharaoh, I've been in your shoes. I, uh, I know a guy. He has a reputation. Two whole years of waiting before his reputation comes to pass. You know, Joseph, one of the fascinating things about Joseph, um, he does the right thing. He's a man of character regardless of being remembered or forgotten. He does the right thing regardless of the circumstances or the consequences of doing the right thing. Um, it took two whole years for the action that he did with interpreting this dream for the reputation of that action to be remembered. He has waited a long time for you. There are seasons in your life where it's just hard to do the right thing. You're like, what's the point? Like, who's even going to remember this? It might take two whole years before someone's like, um, I know a godly person who was in an exact situation just like that. And maybe I can go get him or her to help you with this. And then your reputation speaks for itself. Not just like, Hey, I know who Jesus is. No, the way you acted two whole years ago speaks about what you know about Jesus. What did Joseph learn while he was waiting all that time? We're about to see how he's vindicated. We're like, we need to be careful not to hurry up and sprint to that. Like two whole years is maybe where some of you are right now. Some of you are right now on one whole year and you didn't know there was going to be another whole year. And you're like, oh, what am I supposed to do? Joseph learned a lot in his life up to this point. Here, here's some things I think that Joseph learned. Joseph learned that failure isn't final. I'm going to pit, come out of a pit. God's with me on both sides. Okay, he's, he's like that failure isn't final. Sometimes you put yourself out there and things just go wrong. It's not final. Don't give up. Don't stop. Failure isn't final. He's also learning that pain isn't permanent. My brothers broke my heart. Now I'm king of Potiphar's house. Oh, the wife lied on me. Now I'm king of the prison. Like, like Joseph has learned that these pains, these heartaches are real. He doesn't make, he doesn't make believe. He doesn't pretend that the prison isn't there, but they're also not permanent. Saying they're real doesn't make them permanent. Pain isn't permanent. Power doesn't last. I think that Joseph learned that, yeah, sometimes I'm successful and I have all this influence and authority and sometimes it's gone. I'm going to honor God the same no matter what. Um, sometimes you find that you have amazing influence over the people that you trust in your family. And other times it's just like, I just don't think people trust me. It's okay. Power doesn't last. Being hated is expected. You're not going to make it through this world from one end to another and everybody just like, you're the best person I've ever met in my life. Oh my gosh. You're going to have a bad day and some people are going to be unforgiving and then they're just, they're just knuckleheads to you. It's okay. Being hated is to be expected. Jesus, 
the most perfect man who ever lived, was hated and reviled. And he says, blessed are those who are hated and reviled for my name's sake, for they will be blessed. It's okay. And it is not a sign that things are going wrong when people don't like you so much. Um, if it's true of Jesus, it's not a sign that he was doing something wrong. Then it's not necessarily a sign that you're doing something wrong. Being celebrated, Joseph probably learned that being celebrated is temporary. You have moments where you're lifted high. You have moments where you're like David and you're in the front of the parade. And then like a few weeks later, you're hiding in a cave, right? Uh, being celebrated is great. They're beautiful moments. Be blessed by them. Love them. Don't pretend your life is going to be that for the rest of your life. They're temporary. They don't last. Joseph learned a lot in his waiting. Uh, chapter 41, verse 14 says this. After Pharaoh hears about all this, says, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. He's like, I got to get this guy. And they quickly brought him out of the pit. I put a box around that phrase, quickly. Brought him out of the pit. All this time, Joseph is being brought to places against his will, and it takes so much time. And now, all of a sudden, it's a day like any other as far as Joseph is concerned, and then they quickly bring him out of the pit. The things that he was praying for uh, took forever to get started, but once God started acting, it happened quickly. Okay, and I think most of us, or many of us, I don't know if most is the fairest word, but most, many of us can, can attest to these moments in life that you're praying for a thing, you're praying so hard, and it's like, will this ever happen? Then all of a sudden it's like, you can't keep up with it. You, you, it's like, we should have been training for the sprint. Uh, Joseph is quickly brought out of the pit. And when he, uh, had shaved himself, poor guy was, looking homeless and indigent. Actually, he was just looking Jewish. And pharaohs are um, very against facial hair and body hair. And so uh, if you're going to meet Pharaoh, just just a little tip, if you ever go meet Pharaoh, um, just shave everything, your head, everything. You had to shave everything. Uh, and when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said uh, to Joseph, uh, hey, I've had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said, there's that reputation again. See, that reputation lingers. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I've heard good things about you, Joseph. Now do your thing. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it's not actually in me, but God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. He's like, I don't know what, what you want me to tell you, and I, it's not in me. See, Joseph gives God credit for what God has done. You understand? Joseph is not the guy who's like, you know, I am, I'm a bit of a big deal. You should, you should have been asking me about dreams all this time. I'm kind of, kind of known around these prison parts as the guy for dreams. He gives God credit for what God has done in his life. We would do well to remember that the things that you're skilled at, the gifts that he's given you, the, the temperament, the personality, those are gifts from God. And to just like every now and then when someone's like, hey, you're really nice to people. Yeah, I'm really thankful that God's made that in me. How can I help you? You know, you're really good at working with your hands. I'm thankful that God gave me hands that work because the truth is um, one blood clot can stop that. It, we, we are such fragile people and we take for granted so many good things. Joseph's like, hey, you know what? God's the one who, who gives me that. One of the risks that Pharaoh is risking right now is that it's a coin flip as to whether or not the dream is going to be good news or bad news. Um, Joseph had two dreams given to him. One was good news, one was bad news, but he spoke the truth no matter what. He's going to speak the truth to power. Um, it turns out it's a little bit of good news and a little bit of bad news. Uh, the dream uh, is interpreted in the following verses. And um, what we 
get is, uh, hey, I've got good news for you. We're about to have seven years of just wealth. Like it's like you're going to farm. You're going to have so much grain. It's going to be great. Oh, Pharaoh's like, yes, it's awesome. But following the seven years of awesome or seven years of, what are you talking about? I don't want the seven years of, uh, can't stop it. Okay. He tells Pharaoh, God's going to give you this interpretation. Um, it's seven years of awesome followed by seven years of, uh, to know that ahead of time is a gift to Pharaoh and everybody else. What if God told you right now, hey, listen, for the next 12 months, it's going to be the best 12 months you've had up till now. And then you're going to have 12 months of it's going to hurt and people around you are going to hurt. But I'm telling you now so that you can prepare now for it. And then at the end of that next 12 months, then it's going, we're going to come out of it together. Everybody's going to come out of it because I'm telling you right now to know that is a gift. To be American is to try to avoid the next 12 years. We want the good stuff. And then we try to avoid anything that makes us uncomfortable. But God in his wisdom, he surrounds us with people who will tell us, here's where things are great, and here's where it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to help you in both sides of that. Trust me all the way through. Verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. He tells Pharaoh to his face, listen, this isn't from me. It's not from Ra or Isis or one of Osiris, all of your Egyptian gods with the river and the snakes. And yeah, that's dumb. Uh, but God, Yahweh, uh, he, he's told you. And let me tell you what he's trying to tell you. Joseph brings godly wisdom to Pharaoh. If you are a man or a woman of authority uh, or influence, which is everybody in here over somebody, um, you would be wise to surround yourself with godly people who will tell you the truth. Whether it's good news or bad news, they will tell you the truth. They're not there to impress you. They're not there to, you know, just build you up unnecessarily and boost your ego. They're telling you, look, your marriage is going to go through this great moment right here. I think that if we don't do something or if you don't do something, this one thing is going to create a season of hurt in your marriage. They're, they're telling you that for your good. We'll speed up a little bit here. Genesis 41, 44. He tells him the dream. Pharaoh's like, oh man, you're awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to, let's get this guy out of prison. Let's put him in something. Let's, we need him doing some stuff around here. And so Joseph gets out of prison. He gets again, another cloak put on him. It's like Forrest Gump, like, and then I wore the Pharaoh's cloak again. You know, it's like, he's another cloak of power. He gets the ring. He gets a signet ring and all this authority. He gets to be in parades all of a sudden. And like Pharaoh's like, you go out there, kid. And you just tell him, Great, great things. Verse, verse 44, Pharaoh says this. Uh, there it is. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one will sh uh, shall lift up uh, hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zeh. See, see sometimes, sometimes you can't pronounce, I can't pronounce the words either. Zephanath Panea. Ze that just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Zephanath Panea, I looked that up. Uh, it's an Egyptian word, as you would imagine Pharaoh to speak. Um, and it means this. I wrote it down in my Bible. God has spoken and he shall live. Pharaoh, Pharaoh looks at Joseph like, I don't know what Joseph means. I don't understand your language, uh, but I know my language. And I'm going to name you. I don't like that name. Joseph, we're doing away with that. Your name is now God has spoken and he shall live. You see, the thing about being a godly person in unwelcome circumstances is that the people who live in unwelcome circumstances are blessed by how you act. Uh, 
and your character in those moments and when you speak truth to them. Pharaoh, far from God, maybe never even heard the name Yahweh, gets this Hebrew boy Joseph in one of his prisons and he's like, your God's alive, we're all gonna live. That's great, I'm changing your name. And he gave him in marriage uh, this woman named uh, Asenath, uh, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Like he's getting all like the priestly people, all the religious people. So Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. He is now in the parades. He has his power. He has a cutie by his arms. He's, he's doing good. You know what I mean? He's dressed nice. He looks good. Um, how long did it take him? Verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It took time for him to get to this point. How much time did it take? Well, he was 17 years old when he was thrown into the pit by his brothers. He was 17 years old when he saw his dad for the last time. It was a day like any other day. And when he walked away, he didn't know, this is the last time I'm gonna see my dad. And it was all ripped away from him at 17 years old. Now he's 30 years old. What is that, 13 years? Somebody's good at math in here. 13 years later, before he sees the blessing come to fruition in his life. He's now in a position of authority and influence to make some changes. Um, I'm going to read verse 44. I'm a little low on time. Excuse me. Uh, 41 verse, verse 50. How, how good is it going in his life? Verse 50 says, Before the year of famine came, you know, seven years, remember, seven years is going to go good, and then seven years, famine. So bef- during the good years, uh, this happens, before the famine. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Uh, Asenath, that's his wife's name, the daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, uh, bore them to him. Uh, this, these are Egyptian people. Uh, he's married to an Egyptian. He is an Egyptian authority. He's living in Egypt for the last, you know, six, five, six, seven years. Um, he's very Egyptian at this moment, but he remembers where he's from and who he is. Joseph says, verse 51, called the name of his firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Here's, here's where Joseph is in his mental state. You want to know what's inside of his head? Uh, look at how he named his sons. He gets an Egyptian name. He lives Egyptian life, and he's married to an Egyptian w- woman. But when he has sons, he names them Hebrew names after his people. And he names them names that remind him of who his God is and what his God has done. See, Joseph, in all of this mess, has not lost who he is. Listen, uh, I'm short on time. Don't lose yourself in your pain. Don't lose yourself in your chaos. Don't lose yourself in the pit. It is temporary. Time and God will bring it all the way through to completion. But if you lose yourself, who do you return to? Joseph didn't lose himself. And he remembered his God. And his God is the God who is causing him to forget his hardship. That's Manasseh. He names his son. God is a God who's uh, made him fruitful in the land of his affliction. Notice the duality in that. Even in my affliction, he's got the ring. He's got the cloak. He's in the parades, but it's still the land of his affliction because God promised me and my family something over there. And I don't know what he's doing over there. This is my affliction, but God has made me fruitful. I want to close with this. I want you to meditate on this as we, as we go through the week. Jesus, Jesus shows that God hasn't forgotten you in your hardships and isn't finished in your triumphs. He hasn't forgotten you in your hardships and he isn't finished with you when you're in your triumphs. You say, Jesse, how, how do you know this? 
Because God made promises to Abraham that were partially fulfilled, even in this moment we just read in Joseph, but not fully fulfilled. The full fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham is that one day Jesus is going to come from this family. And it comes from one of Joseph's brothers. And Jesus comes and he lives this perfect life. And he un, uh, innocently dies the criminal's death. He goes to the pit for you and me. And for those of us who deserve to be in the pit for our own crimes and our own sins, we can look to Jesus, the, the offspring of this family, to our hope and our resilience. And it proves that in the pit, you're not forgotten. And in, when you're having your best day, God's not done with you yet until you are in heaven. Uh, I'm going to close with a quote by a guy named Pete Scazzaro. Uh, we're reading a book of his uh, as elders and staff. Uh, if you want the book, I, I recommend it. But uh, here, here's, here's what he says. It says, God wants to take our history and build a great future out of it. God wastes nothing especially our pain and failures, if we offer it back to him. The season of waiting, the season of pain, the season of chaos, it's wasted in our hands. Give it to God and let him have some time. He can do some beautiful things. And we have men and women in this room right now who can attest to that. And if you just need a reminder of that truth, breathe it in. Take my word for it or talk to some of these men and women. God's not going to waste your, your chaos. God didn't waste it in Joseph. And he's not going to waste it in you. He's not the kind of God who starts making mistakes this late in the game. He's got a lot of practice at this. Let me pray. Uh, then uh, we'll watch the queue together. Yes. Okay. We'll watch the queue together. Father, um, Father, we come to you. Uh, we, we, we thank you for the story of Joseph and preserving that you are a God, not of chaos, but of order. Uh, but you can, you can, you can turn chaos into order. Uh, I pray for those of us in here, Lord, that are in a pit or close to one or about to be in one. Um, Lord, that, that you remind us that in your hands, you make all things beautiful in its time. Lord, help us to find strength in you. I pray that you would rejuvenate the souls that are hurting, um, and remind us of your goodness, of your, of your, um, of your power, of your refuge that we can find sanctuary in you. I pray for those of us, Lord, who kind of in those triumphs, uh, Lord, that we would continue to be men and women of character, um, and that our reputation, uh, as good or as flawed as it may be, uh, be such that we can point to you and say, you know, it's not in me, but, but, God, you've given it to us to give to them. Uh, help us, help us to help others in our community and to reflect Jesus, um, to them. Thank you for not forgetting us in the worst of us. Uh, help us to remember you in the best of us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.